Welcome to Starting Points, a Faith on Hill podcast. Starting Points is designed to be a starting or restarting point for anyone's reading, study, and understanding of the Bible. We go through every book of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. We go over every major section of the Bible and talk about major biblical themes or Bible-related topics. My name is Adam. I'm the pastor at Faith on Hill, and I want to welcome you to the Starting Points podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about the Psalms as we enter the poetic books of the Bible. You know, uh, we've been through sort of narrative, Genesis and Exodus and, um, you know, the, uh, the historical books, Joshua and Judges, 1st, 2nd Samuel, so on. They, they tell a narrative story. They tell the story of peoples and people. And now we're entering the poetic books, which tell stories, but they're different, and they're in a different form and a different genre. Now, with the Psalms, contrary to popular opinion, David did not write all of the Psalms. In fact, um, Psalms includes more authors collectively than any other book of the Bible. Um, A lot of books of the Bible were written primarily by one author, uh, Matthew or Luke. Paul, Peter, John, you know, in the New Testament, it's generally speaking, one author. Mark is, is written by Mark, but we under tradition and history tells us it's the account of the apostle Peter. So there's, um, and then Luke tells us that Luke and Acts were written by him, but it was a collaboration with eyewitnesses and, and so on. So we understand that there's some collaboration happening, but generally speaking, they're written by one person. Uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, were generally speaking, understood to be written by Moses with some, you know, addendums at the end, like, hey, this is what happened right after Moses died. You know, Joshua and uh, was written by Joshua. Judges, Ruth, and uh, the beginning parts of Samuel are, are generally thought to have been written by the prophet Samuel. There's, uh, you know, one author. Um, and then there's books that have sort of a more collaborative spirit. Uh, first, second Kings, first second Chronicles were written, uh, coll- you know, kind of compiled and edited by scribes and priests. Um, so there's different ways that this comes, but this is the most collaborative. In fact, it has more authors than any other book of the Bible. Um, David, the king of Israel, uh, is attributed 75 Psalms, uh, 73 uh, noted in the Psalms, and then there's two, uh, like Psalms 2 and Psalm 95, that aren't uh, attributed to Psalm uh, David directly, but in Acts chapter 4 and in Hebrews chapter 4, uh, respectively, they are attributed to King David. Um, and then and they're kind of collected in sections like Psalm 3 through 9, uh, we could also say in Psalm 2, uh, but Psalm 3 through 9, Psalm 11 through 32, Psalm 34 through 41, and then it kind of goes on there, these kind of batches of King David Psalms. Then there was this guy Asaph, or people that were of the family of Asaph, maybe like a son or a grandson. And they're attributed uh, 12 Psalms, Psalm 50, and then Psalm 73 through 83 are the Psalms of Asaph or people related to him. Then there's this group called the Sons of Korah, and they're attributed 11 Psalms. Then there's this guy Heman, and he gets one Psalm, and he's connected with the Sons of Korah, but he gets a Like, this was his deal, and so he gets an individualized attribution for Psalm 88. Uh, King Solomon, the son of David, was attributed to Psalm 72 and 127. Moses wrote Psalm 90. Uh, Ethan, the Ezraite, Psalm 89. And then there are 48 Psalms, give or take, 
that are anonymous. Now, obviously, like there's those two that the New Testament ascribes to David that the book of Psalms doesn't, so they'd be in that 48. Uh, there's some other ones that could arguably go to this person or that person, but they're generally speaking anonymous Psalms. So we have at least one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, uh, at least eight authors and likely more, much more, um, and maybe even into like the 20s or something like that. One of the more noticeable features of the book of Psalms is that it's systematic in its arrangement. Um, It kind of shows us that they weren't put together, you know, carelessly, piecemeal, haphazardly. There's definite organizations. The psalm that was written first isn't first. I mean, Moses' psalm would have been written before all the others, and that doesn't show up until Psalm 90. Uh, So there's, um, you know, these massive uh, sections of intentionality. Um, Many say that, you know, the the major divisions correspond to the the Pentateuch, uh, to the first five books of the Bible. Um, And it's not an artificial uh, division but it, it's intentionally kind of collected and, and, and put together in a way to follow those first five books of Moses. Uh, in each major division, there are lesser divisions or clusters or what we might call series of psalms, which uh, work on a particular subject or for a particular purpose. Uh, the psalms were probably all set to music for both vocal, you know, acapella sing, or singing and instrumental music. Um, and it must have been, you know, just amazing to hear thousands of voices singing them uh, either on their own or in company uh, Psalm 150 was probably the theme of the book uh, could be you know the chorus of every psalm like there's there's these collections together uh, the first section is the first 41 psalms and it focuses on humanity you know some would say Genesis uh, the second book the those 31 psalms focus on deliverance it's interesting to me that um, Moses is who was the deliverer. Uh, his his psalm doesn't get included in that, but they focus on deliverance. Uh, there's book three that focuses on sanctuary. Book four uh, that focus on the reign of God, and, and the final section, the last forty four psalms, focus on the word of God. Now, one of the questions that we ask in uh, this podcast is, we say, "Hey, what's the human story?" And to me, this is a very human story. People declaring the praise of God, and they're not just declaring the praise of God upward, but they're telling the current and future generations, the story of the past. There is a theory, a philosophy, whatever you want to call it, in some churches today that say that all song or or anything musical in the church must be only vertical, upward. It can only be a praise to God. All prayer must be directly, specifically uh, directed to God. And yet in the Bible, we don't find that to be the case. Sometimes the Psalms are telling a story of things that God has done or things that people have done. Sometimes the prayers that are recorded in the Bible um, aren't just somebody speaking to God directly, but they're also just kind of recounting a history. To me, that's a very human thing, and it's something that God has put in us, that we aren't just to praise him, although we should, but we should use this opportunity to teach and, and to share the story with those who are new and those who are coming behind us or after us. When we sing together, when we sing together corporately as a church, we teach each other, we encourage each other. Hey, if that person over there can stand up and sing that God is good, even though all the things that I know they've gone through in the last year, that says something to me. If that person over there can stand up knowing all of the things that's happened to them and they sing out and praise God, that speaks to us. 
And here's the reality too. Most people, like they don't remember something I said in a sermon five years ago, but they might remember a song that we sang five years ago. And so uh, I try personally just to, when we sing together, let's have songs that tell the story, tell the story of the gospel, tell the story of Jesus, tell the story of what God has done in us individually and collectively so that we would know it, we would declare it, but we would also teach it to those who are coming in new to the church and those who are coming up after us, the next generation, future generations. Now, another question that we ask in this podcast is where are the landmines? Hey, where are the things that are controversial, that people argue about, that people have disagreements or debates about? Generally speaking, the Psalms are uncontroversial. Uh, Preachers consider it safe preaching ground. Hey, you know what? You just went through kind of an intense series of sermons or Bible studies on a Sunday morning, go to the Psalms for a couple months. Nothing's controversial there. It's all kind of gentle and flowing, and and you're not going to like step on anybody's toes. The landmines regarding the book of the Psalms generally come after the fact, not from the scripture themselves, but from modern applications or disagreements about application. Like there's, there's people and groups and churches that are what we might call psalms only. They, they believe that the only songs the church should sing are the ones found in the scripture. Generally speaking, the psalms, but there's also a few other places where song lyrics are recorded. And they say, we should only sing those words. Then um, there's people who have debates about liturgy or sound or style or, or whatever. And so they'll say, hey, you know, you don't see drums and keyboards and electric guitars in the psalms. Well, you do see harps and lyres and trumpets and you do see the clanging of cymbals. And so there's these debates about things going back and forth. And that's usually where the landmines are, but they're not from the Psalms themselves. They're actually fairly uncontroversial. Now, there are things within it. For example, uh, the Psalms of Ascents, which are some of my favorite Psalms. And these were the Psalms that people would sing on their way to and coming into Jerusalem for the different feasts and festivals and festivities. And they would come from all over Israel, you know, for the, uh, the, you know, the Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, for the Passover, for, for different uh, feasts and festivals. And as they would come in, they would sing together. The, the Songs of Ascents tend to be very short. That's one of those debates people have, right? Like, should we have like really wordy songs and deep theological lyrics or should we have choruses that are very simple and easy for everybody? I think we should have both. You know what? You're a church that only sings like hymns that have like five or six verses and they're all very dense and deep lyrically and nobody remembers except maybe like the first one. Um, And then you're sitting out somewhere around a campfire, on a trip, you're somewhere where that there's just not easy access to like printed or overhead words displayed on a screen. What are you going to do? You're just going to sing the chorus to how great is our God. Now we've had this before. Um, we've had situations before where like, uh, I remember um, several years ago, somebody had a health episode. Uh, we had to call the paramedics. And so what do we, what do you do? Cause we were just starting the Bible study and we still had things going on. And so we, we moved. The whole church basically went and took seats out in the fellowship hall. The paramedics came, took care of the person. They were fine. Um, just a blood sugar thing or whatever. But um, in here in the sanctuary, and so so we had church there. Well, what do you do? Our, our overhead projector is not there. We're not going to print out new words. So we just sang like the choruses of very well-known songs. That's the song of a sense. But people get, you know, fighting over these things. And then there's messy psalms. Man, the psalms of Asaph are messy. And they're full of mystery. And they're dealing with, with deep and and sometimes distressing issues. And some people do not like that. They don't want anything. They like everything clean and simple. And I don't want to have to think when I sing at church, heaven forbid that, that I would use the brain God gave me. 
They're focused on Jesus. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That's directly quoting Psalm 118, verse 26. And these these things inform us and speak to us about our faith. And then somebody says, hey, where's Jesus seen? That's the last and most important question that we ask in this podcast. Jesus Christ is anticipated in the Psalms. The coming King, the coming Savior, the coming Messiah. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. He is portrayed the good shepherd. He is prophesied, the redeemer, the righteous sufferer, the loving shepherd. He is our hope. Jesus is all throughout the Psalms, and I'm so thankful for them. Can I be honest? I'll I'll, I'll just say that the Psalms sometimes felt light to me, especially in, in the earlier years of my faith. The Psalms felt like, oh, that's, that's not the deep stuff. I just want the deep stuff. And as I get older, it's not that I don't want the deep stuff. As I get older, more and more I realize that I miss out relationally if I ignore the Psalms. I miss out on deeper truths of human pain, suffering, hope, victory, rejoicing. All of the, the gamut of the human experience is found in the Psalms as they point us to Jesus. I want to thank you for joining us for another episode of the Starting Points Podcast. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You just have to search Faith on Hill. Audio versions are available on our website as well, and the video versions are available on our Facebook page and our YouTube channel. If you're not following us on social media, we are at Faith on Hill. We'd love to be connected with you there. And we gather together on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m., both online and in person, and throughout the week in small groups that meet in homes online and here at the church. My name's Adam. Thank you again for joining us for another Starting Points.